This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today, especially if this is your first time to watch this telecast. Thank you so very much for watching. We appreciate those that watch every time we come on the air. Today we're going to be discussing this text that comes from the Old Testament, this topic that's rooted in the Old Testament text, the sure foundation. There is a sure foundation. What is that? What does it mean when the Bible refers to a sure foundation? Stay tuned. Now today we offer a free Bible Correspondence Course. And in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how you can have the course and study it uh, for yourself, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read to you today from the 28th chapter of Isaiah, and I'm going to read verse number 16. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. The, the imagery in this particular passage is drawn from the practice of oriental kings to use foundation stones of enormous size and enormous weight at the corners of their building. And that particular stone they call the cornerstone would tie those two walls together. Uh, there were those kind of stones in the temple built by Solomon. And they were stones of, of enormous size weighing hundreds of pounds, maybe even tons. But the reference in our text is not to a physical building. It's not to anything that Solomon built. But, but the reference here is to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts the fourth chapter, in verse 11, Luke recorded this. This is a stone which was set at naught of you, of you builders. And then verse 12 says, Neither is our salvation any other. And that's talking about Jesus Christ. So the prophecy here in Isaiah 28 verse 16 is about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the sure foundation. He's the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. 
Let's think about a foundation, how important foundations are. One of the first things you do when you build a home is the, is the foundation. Uh, here in the city where I live, the, recently I, I saw a vacant lot. And I come back a few days later and on those vacant lots there were foundations. It looked like several dozen foundations that had already been uh, laid out. And now I go by that same place today and there are homes on, built on those foundations. Those, you build a foundation before you build a structure. And it has to be a sure foundation. It has to be a foundation that is strong enough that to, to support the structure that's on top of that foundation. Can, can you begin to imagine the foundation that must be under the Empire State Building? It would have to be a a very strong foundation to hold up the Empire State Building or any building of size. You know, a religion that, that is not built upon a solid foundation is not going to endure. It's just not. And Jesus makes that plain in, in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it's founded on a rock. But whoever hear these, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, him will I liken unto a foolish man, that built his house upon the sand, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the, the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. There's so many things in common between these two men. They both heard the same word. They both built. But the difference in the structures in this particular text was a foundation. One man had a solid foundation. And man, one man was building upon the sand, the sinking sand. Any religion is not built upon a solid foundation is not going to last. If we build our religious life upon our human goodness, it's not going to last, folks. Isaiah said that our righteousness is as filthy rags to God. You, you can't build your spiritual life upon your own goodness. And yet in modern times, people think that they're the center of the universe and they, 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 they are so self-centered and they think their goodness it is all that it takes for them to live a spiritual life. That, that's a foundation that's not going to last. So sometimes people build their foundation upon the commandments and the doctrines of men, things that men teach, things that men say. But Jesus said, In vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Commandments of men not a very good foundation upon which to build. Sometimes people take the Bible, and the Bible is so plain and simple and easily, easily understood. But they'll take a text out of this context and make a pretext out of it. That is, they'll make it say something that God never intended for it to say. And they make a doctrine out of it. And that's a man-made doctrine. 
It's not what God said. It's what man did with the scripture. He took it and he twisted it and he perverted it to make it say or to seem to say what he wanted it to say. We can't build on that kind of foundation. We, we cannot build upon the institutions that men have constructed. You know, and Jesus said, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Everything that I do ought to be something that Jesus planted, something that Jesus endorsed, something that Jesus authorized. And if I'm in some kind of an institution, uh, some organization, not authorized by Jesus Christ, then that's not, that's not built upon a foundation that's going to last. And sometimes people build on the opinions of people. They, they even like to build on public opinion. And, and it's very popular for some even so-called preachers today to say, what we must do is take the Bible because it's not as relevant as it ought to be. And we need to just understand the Bible in light of our culture today, and we have to bend the Bible to fit culture. Oh, no, my friend. The Bible is not out of date. Man is out of date. Man hasn't even caught up with the Bible yet. Man is out of date. And you do not bend the Bible to fit culture. Culture needs to conform to the will of God. That's what men need today. So when we do that, we're building on a foundation that's not going to last. And if we're built on the foundation other than Jesus Christ, it is a foundation that is not authorized by God. Well, for example, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Friends, Jesus Christ is the foundation. He is the stone. He is the sure foundation of the New Testament church. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 22 and verse 42, Jesus said, Have you not read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same is become the head of the corner. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul is talking about the body of Christ. He said, and built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is that chief cornerstone. In, in Psalms 118 and verse 22, we have that passage. The stone which the builders refused, that is rejected, is become the headstone of the corner. And then he says, this is the Lord's doing in verse 23. And it is the Lord's doing. And then in verse 24, he said, this is the day which the Lord hath made. And we'll rejoice and be glad in it. And Jesus Christ became the head of the corner when he was raised from the dead by the power of God Almighty. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 1, 19 and following. And according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, things in this world and that which is to come, that put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. 
And that's the day that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and he sat at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ is the sure foundation. He's the head of the corner. Someone suggested, and I think correctly, that Jesus Christ is that cheap cornerstone. A cornerstone would tie the two walls together. And Jesus Christ is that cornerstone that ties the Jew and the Gentile world together that they might be one in Him. In the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul is talking about that when he said that uh, He is our peace who has made both one, broken down the middle wall of petition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments containing ordinances, that He might make of Himself of two, one, one new man so making peace, that He might reconcile both unto God, that's Jew and Gentile, in one body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And so Jesus Christ is that cornerstone that ties the Jew and the Gentile together. I like some of the words that are used to describe Jesus. That is, a, He's a tried stone. He's a precious stone. He's a sure foundation. Jesus Christ is the rock. He is the rock upon which the church is built. You know, in Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Someone says, does that mean the church is built upon Peter? Peter is not the rock. Peter was a pebble. Jesus is a large boulder. Jesus is the rock. The rock. Uh, Peter had made this acknowledgement about Jesus in Matthew 16, 16. That thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for, for flesh and blood's not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter upon this rock. What rock? What rock are you going to build the church upon, Jesus? The acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. The foundation stone of the church is Jesus. It is built upon Christ. And if other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Well, where was that foundation stone laid? Uh, Isaiah predicted here in Isaiah 28, 16, and that stone was laid in Jerusalem, in Zion. In Isaiah, the second chapter, and in verse 2, Isaiah said, It shall come to pass in the last days that, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. All nations shall flow unto it. That'd be Jew and the Gentile will flow unto it. And many will go and say, Come, let's go up unto the house of the Lord, to the mount of the God of Jacob, to the, house, to the house of God. And he said, He'll teach us of His ways. We'll walk in His pace. For out of Zion, out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. The church of the New Testament had its beginning in the city of Jerusalem. Zion is just another name for Jerusalem. Zion's one of the hills there in Jerusalem. 
and it would be out of Jerusalem that the law of the Lord would go forth. And it was in the city of Jerusalem, about A.D. 33, that the apostle Peter, upon the day of Pentecost, after Jesus' resurrection, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He announced the conditions of salvation. He announced the gospel plan of salvation, first of all, in the city of Jerusalem. It was on this occasion that he preached to people who were guilty of killing Jesus. These were people whose hands were still red with the blood of our Lord. And he preached about Jesus' life, his death, his, his burial, his resurrection. He said, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved among you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. You have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached Jesus, and the people then inquired, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? What do we need to do to be saved? They were not told to repeat a prayer. That is a sinner's prayer. They were not told there's nothing they could do. They're either among the elect or the non-elect. They were not told to come down to the front to sign a decision card and that we'll pray over you and you can go home and join the church of your choice. What did Peter tell these people on the, in the very beginning of the gospel in the city of Jerusalem, what did he tell them to do? And Peter answered and said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For, for the promises unto you and to your children, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and with many other words did he testify and exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. It was on that day that he announced the conditions of the gospel from Jerusalem. And it was on this occasion the church was being built upon Jesus. He had promised it. I will build my church and is built upon Christ. The foundation of the church is Jesus. He's that sure foundation, that precious cornerstone. And there were 3,000 people thereabouts that were baptized. And we're told that when they were saved from their sins, as a result of their faith and repentance and baptism into Christ, that the Lord added them to the church. That's in verse 47. They were among the such as should be saved. It said, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Well, what, what are included of those such as should be saved? Well, such as believe in Jesus, and such as repent of their sins, and such as confess they believe in Jesus, and such as are baptized for the remission of their sins. You see, that was the beginning of the church in the city of Jerusalem. And that's what God did. That was God's doing. 
You say, well, that's not what I'm hearing today, Brother Lev. Well, that's not God's doing. But this was God's doing. Now, there are some logical conclusions that we reach from all of this. And one conclusion is that any organization, religious organization, that began in some city other than the city of Jerusalem began in the wrong place. See, it was predicted back in Isaiah chapter 2 that the Lord's house would be in the city of Jerusalem, that the, the law of the Lord would go forth from Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, in Luke 24, 49, Jesus told the disciples, tell you in the city of Jerusalem to you be endued with power from on high. And it was in the city of Jerusalem that Peter preached that gospel. So any religious organization that began in a place other than the city of Jerusalem, it started in the wrong place. If you were to go back and trace the history of some religious groups, then you will find that they started in certain cities around the world. But friends, that's the wrong place. Did it begin in the city of Jerusalem? And then another conclusion is, if it was started on a day other than the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, it started on the wrong day. It started on the wrong day. You see, there are a lot of religious organizations that men have started. It started on the wrong day. It did not start on the day of Pentecost like it did in Acts chapter 2. And if, if there are religious organizations that are teaching a message other than what Peter taught on the day of Pentecost, they're, they're teaching the wrong message. It's not the right message. And then another conclusion is, if men are giving another answer to the question, what shall we do other than the answer that Peter gave, they're giving the wrong answer. That's just a logical conclusion. Now the question was, men and brethren, what shall we do? That's just another way of them asking, what must we do to be saved? What shall we do? Saul of Tarsus asked that question, Lord, Lord, what will you have me to do? The jailer asked, what must I do to be saved? These people asked, what shall we do? And, and if someone is giving you an answer to that question other than the one that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost, they're giving you the wrong answer. And his answer was, repent, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That's the right answer. That's the right answer. You know, what, what we really need to do in the religious realm today is just to go back to Jerusalem. Just to go back to Jerusalem. You know, when Jesus was about, was 12 years of age, his parents went up to the city of Jerusalem to worship and to pay their tax. He went with them. And they were on their way back home, and they began to look for him. And they looked for him, they just assumed, first of all, that he was with them, but he wasn't. And they looked for him among their near kinsmen, their acquaintances, but he wasn't there. And they did not find him until they went back to the temple. And there was Jesus sitting in the temple, reasoning with the doctors of the law. 
They found Jesus right where they lost him. They found him where they left him. Folks, if we want to find Jesus today, we've got to go back to Jerusalem. We've got to go back all the way back to what the Bible taught in the very beginning of the church. And go back and teach, as someone calls it, the Jerusalem message. The message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. The distinctive plea of churches of Christ all around the world is just go back to the Bible. That's a simple plea, isn't it? To speak where the Bible speaks. Just remain silent where the Bible is silent. And let's just be in the 21st century what they were in the 1st century. They were just Christians. They were not A kind of Christian, a B, C, X, Y, Z kind of a Christian. They were just Christians. Because all of them had been redeemed by the blood of Christ, washed in His blood when they were baptized into His death, Romans 6, 3, and 4, added to the church, Acts 2, 47, and they were busy spreading the good news throughout the world in their day, Acts 8 and 4. You see, the plea is a valid plea today. And we need to restore today, not divide. Let's just be honest, the religious world is so divided. But let's just restore the New Testament church. Not restore some kind of a denomination because they did not exist in Acts chapter 2. The, the Lord did not build the church as a denomination. It was just His body. It was just the church. If we just go back to the Bible and take it and it alone, friends, that's all we'd be today. I want to thank you for watching today. In the closing moments, let me give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also, why don't you just pick up the telephone right now? Well, why don't you call for that Bible course right now? And if you prefer to take it online, well, when we have that made available for you as well. I want, to, I want you to know that I love you, and, and, and I hope you'll think on the things that we've talked about today as we talk about the Sure Foundation, building our lives on Jesus. If you're not a Christian, may I urge you to become one today. I want to thank you for watching. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, 
or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.